0: And you just have to ask yourself, is that worth the risk? And I had, um, it was at the future of medicine conference and one of my friends who's a billionaire, he goes, but my son wants to play Yeah. Mm-hmm. and he hired him um, a former NFL player coach. And, um, I'm like, well, what if your son said he wanted to do cocaine,
1: mm.
0: would you get him a drug addict? because the level of damage is about the same.
2: Welcome to the Darren You Show. Today's guest is Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Daniel Amen is a psychiatrist, neuroscientist, brain imaging expert, and 12-time New York Times bestselling author. Founder of the Amen Clinics, of Amon Clinics, which is one of the world leaders in applying brain imaging science to help people with emotional, behavioral. Listen to this,
3: Ben. <laughs> yeah, I need some behavioral help. Cognitive
2: for sure. and learning challenges. Dr. Eamon has done research on NFL players and has worked as a consultant for the movie Concussion starring Will Smith. And I don't want to talk about the book just yet because I want to. We want to get into that as mm-hmm. the show goes on, but the book, <laughs> we, we definitely want to get there. But we want to start back, Doc. We want to go back to your on your story. And, and Tyler says it best. And Tyler, why don't you jump on in and and how and describe what we want to go, yeah. how we want to go about?
1: Yeah, this. absolutely. We just want to we want to talk about your journey, uh, Doctor Amen, and and we're really lucky to have you on because you know Darren, Ben, and I all played football. And it's, it's a really hot topic, understanding the impact that the sport has had on our brains and, and individuals like yourself have studied it and now can provide insight way beyond what we knew 10 years ago, even five years ago. And so we're really excited to, to learn about it, hopefully not be too terrified and and alarmed, but uh, you know, also learn to, to, that, that, that some of these may be treatable and we can, and we can actually reproduce and grow, um, you know, brain tissue um, and so really excited, but let's, let's go back because people see you today and it's like, oh yeah, he's, he's the best in his field. He, he was just the smartest guy and it was easy for him, but we want to, we want to share that yeah. we want to share that there was struggles and, and there was, uh, there was a lot of valleys in that journey. And so can you take us back to the beginning where you were raised, what your family dynamic was like and, and, and go from there?
0: Absolutely. Actually, thank you for asking. I am one of seven. Mm. Uh, I'm third, so completely not special. I have an older brother and in a Lebanese family, the oldest boy is like the golden child. Mm. Everyone else is sort of irrelevant. (laughs) Um, so one of seven, five sisters pray for me. And, (laughs) um, it was the shortest in my class, loved playing football, played. Oh, wait, wait, wait.
2: What position? It
0: was quarterback. Oh, wow. than anybody else. And I also intuitively knew I'd get hit less yeah. than other people. And the best position on the field is being a backup quarterback, which was me. And it means you get to have all the fun without getting hit a lot. Yeah. So um 19 72, I turned 18. The government still had a draft. I became an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. And uh, then a couple of years into that, I realized I didn't like being shot at.
1: It's
0: just not my thing. And I got myself retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for medical imaging. As our professors used to say, how do you know unless you luck. Then in 1975, I got out of the army, finished college, went to medical school. And when I was a second year medical student, um, someone I loved tried to kill herself. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. And I came to realize if he helped her, which he did, it wouldn't just help her that ultimately it would help her children and subsequently her grandchildren is they would be shaped by someone who is happier and more stable. So 42 years ago, I fell in love with psychiatry Mm. and I've loved it virtually every day since, but I fell in love with the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats. Mm. And I knew it was wrong. And I knew it would change. I just had no idea I'd be involved in changing it. But in the late 1980s, uh, actually as an army psychiatrist, I started looking at the brain and it just changed everything um, we do. Everything I do for myself as a person, everything I do for my patients. 1991, I started with the study we do now called Brain SPECT imaging, SPECT is a nuclear medicine mm-hmm. study, that looks at blood flow and activity. And um, I scanned everybody I knew, I was just so excited about it. Scanned my mom, she had a beautiful mm. brain. Scanned myself and it wasn't healthy. <laughs> oh. um, I had played football. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you're a backup quarterback, you still get whacked a lot mm-hmm. in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, I had meningitis twice as a young soldier. And I had bad habits. I wasn't sleeping, I ate bad food, I was overweight. And here I am, it's 1991, I'm a double board certified psychiatrist. I was a top student in neuroscience in medical school and I did care. did not care about my own brain Mm. until I saw it. And when I saw it, compared to my mother's brain, I developed a concept I call brain envy Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's (laughs) problem. (laughs) It's brain envy. Brain envy. (laughs) Fat Uh between your ears. I Uh wanted my mother's brain. And I think everything I've done since then is how can I have a better brain Mm -hmm. and help my patients and loved ones have a better brain as well.
2: Okay, so let's let's go back because you said something earlier about the, uh, the, the industry back then where the psychiatrists weren't actually taking a look at the brain. Mm-hmm. How disruptive was it when you started to actually go in and 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 see and, and view the brain, view the brain? Was it disruptive to the industry? Oh, completely.
0: They just hated me. <laughs> And there's actually this great book called the structure of scientific revolution and revolutions go through five stages. And right now on a scale of one to five, we're at 4.7. So we're still fighting. But Mm -hmm. when I started, they're like, Oh no, this is not what we do. But think about it. Um, I love Abraham Lincoln. I've studied everything I can about him. And he suffered with severe depression twice in his life. He Mm. was suicidal. And in the winter of 1840, he went to see his doctor after his friends took his knives away because they were worried he was going to kill himself. And how did the doctor diagnose him with depression? He talked to him. He looked at him. He looked for symptom clusters and then diagnosed and treated him which is exactly what happens in 2021 in most psychiatric offices around the world, which I would argue that's insane. You have no biological information on the organ that's causing depression, yet you're gonna give them that diagnosis and give them powerful medications. And so initially it was very disruptive and people call me bad names, Um, but in 1995, And initially it really upset me personally because I don't like to be in a fight with my colleagues. Um, But then my nine-year-old nephew, Andrew, Um, who's my godson attacked a little girl on the baseball field hurt her for no particular reason he was drawing pictures of himself shooting other children Mm -hmm. and hanging from a tree so if you think about it andrew was a budding columbine Mm -hmm. or sandy hook or aurora colorado waiting to happen and I scanned him. He had a cyst the size of a golf ball occupying the space of his left temporal lobe. Mm. And when I got a neurosurgeon to take out the cyst, his behavior completely went back to normal. Wow. And that is my hero story. Mm -hmm. So if you criticize me, quite frankly, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Because if you don't look, how do you know? Sort of like the NFL work I would do later. If you don't look, well, how would you know? Mm. And looking just changes everything.
3: Mm. What's the stigma with look like when it when you first came up with this concept of wanting to look at the brain, what are what are some of the reasons that people had the hesitancy?
0: Well, it's not tradition. And you know that people change very slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you think about the issue of the NFL and concussion, it took a long time for them to really get on top of this issue. So people change slowly. It completely attacks the notion of how we make psychiatric diagnoses. So it takes the tradition of psychiatry, you have six of these nine symptoms. So you get depressed and it goes, well, that's absurd because depression can come from too little activity in the Mm. brain or too much activity in the brain. It can come from a concussion or can come from toxic exposure. So, 85% of psychiatric drugs are prescribed by non-psychiatric physicians and 10-minute office visits. And it just completely disrupts that and says, that's not very smart. Mm. If you're gonna do this with no biological data, you're gonna hurt people. And in medicine, psychiatry is literally the only profession that has not made any progress in the last 70 years. The director of the National Institute of Mental Health, Tom Insel, said our outcomes are no better than they were in the 1950s. We should be embarrassed by that, ashamed of it, because they're still making diagnoses the same way. And so, you know, when you say the emperor has no clothes, the emperor generally doesn't say thank you. Uh,
1: uh-huh.
0: That's why.
1: So now you're you're diagnosed the, the process of diagnoses of some of these issues now with imaging and actually seeing the brain. How has the treatment changed since that came about?
0: Well, it shocked me that when I started looking at the brain, some of the medications I was taught to use were actually toxic for brain function. And I remember in medical school, they teach you first do no harm, mm-hmm. use the least toxic, most effective treatments. And so I started looking for natural ways to heal the brain. And at the time in 1991, there was still a big science on omega-3 fatty acids, on things like St. John's, Wharton, Sammy for depression or Gavin magnesium for anxiety. So it led me to believe this, that most psychiatric problems are not mental health issues at all, but rather they are brain health issues that steal your mind, get your brain right. And your mind will follow. Nobody wants to see a psychiatrist. Nobody wants to be diagnosed as defective or abnormal but everybody wants a better brain. So what if mental health was really brain health? I'm in a new docu-series with Justin Bieber. Justin's been one of my patients for about a decade and you know, like a lot of celebrities and some of my football players, um, you know, sometimes he'd do it. I asked him to, and most of the time he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> and then one day he came into my office and he said, my brain is an organ, just like my heart is an organ. If you told me I had heart problems, I'd do everything you said. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to start doing what you say. And then he got, much better. And so, what if mental health was brain health, and just doing that, it decreases stigma, it increases compliance, because everybody wants a better brain, it increases forgiveness and compassion from families. I had this one player, Fred McNeil, who I just love, uh, who played for the Vikings. He played at UCLA. He went on to get his law degree and he became erratic, depressed. His wife divorced him. And when I saw him, you could clearly see the damage on his scan and, his wife felt so bad she just thought he was a bad person and didn't realize that he was damaged yeah and so before he ended up dying a couple of years later um, they were able to reconcile I mean, it's just a beautiful story
1: Wow wow that I mean that's such a good point because you know, thankfully mental illness has has come to the forefront and you know brandon marshall is a good friend of mine who's been a a big advocate for mental health and but but there's such a stigma that it's like well you're just you're broken like and it's your fault whereas now if you can you can say like you said it's an organ you're not a wife wouldn't leave her husband because he has cancer right because he has you know colon cancer. Well, Mm -hmm. Oh no, you're, you're broken. I'm no, like there's an ailment that is out of your control and, and you need treatment. And it's, and it's a great point because it's the same thing because so many people, there's a stigma. Oh, you're, you're just crazy. I I just can't deal with you. Well, what if there, there's a legitimate reason for that, a physical Mm -hmm. issue that's going on in the brain that now either can be treated or not. So my question, my question to you is, and I mentioned it earlier, so you find a brain issue. How do you? What are the next steps? Whether it's a like you said assist, uh, but what if there's damage done? I mean, what types of what types of treatment options are there for individuals that legitimately have brain issues?
0: Well, what I got excited about, and sort of the take home lesson for my NFL work, is you're not stuck with the brain you have. You could make it better, and yeah. I can prove it. Mm-hmm. And you hear that, Darren. You think I'm not taking notes right here? (laughs) If you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, if it's headed to the dark place, Mm -hmm. you have to prevent or treat the eleven major risk factors that steal your mind. And the exciting news is most people, not everybody, but eighty percent of my NFL players got better when they did my program. And nobody knows that um, I was actually written into the script of concussion because mm-hmm. Peter Landisman who wrote the movie and directed it said, you're the only one I know that offers hope. And that movie was such a downer. And I think partly because <laughs> they took out the hope, yeah. but how do you get better? Three things, brain envy. You got to care about
3: it. Mm-hmm.
0: Avoid anything that hurts your brain, know the list, and do things that help your brain day in and day out. Um, So we use medication when needed. It's not the first thing we ever think about. We use natural supplements a lot. We use a treatment called hyperbaric oxygen Mm -hmm. therapy. Justin actually slept in one for a couple of months to try to repair the damage that his brain experienced from some concussions and drug abuse. Um, None of it's hard. It's what can I do to help your brain that won't hurt you or make you dependent too many of our patients come to us on benzodiazepines, medications for anxiety, that once you start them, you can't stop them. Or on opiates for pain, once you start them, you can't stop them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: When you think of natural ways to heal the brain, um, and you know, one of the fun parts of my NFL work was half of our players were obese, because they ate a lot of calories to be big and strong Mm -hmm. and they didn't stop that once they Mm -hmm. stopped playing. Mm -hmm. And I published three studies that show as your weight goes up, the physical size and function of the brain goes down because being overweight actually increases five of the 11 risk factors. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when it comes to repairing head trauma, um, The pituitary gland, which is the master hormone gland in the brain, gets hurt with head trauma, especially repeated head trauma.
2: Is there a particular head trauma? Is it from the side, from behind, or is there? Well, the problem
0: is the brain is in a closed space. So whether you get hit from the side, from the front, from the back, your brain bounces around inside your skull and your skull has multiple sharp, bony ridges. Um, I asked God about this, and I'm like, <laughs> why did you not put bumper guards around the sharp, bony ridges? Um, you knew everything. You knew they were going to play football. he said, who knew? They take the most important organ in the universe and bounce it around like Nobody cared about it. (laughs) Mm.
3: So let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get involved with football? What drew you to wanting to study football players' brains? Tell us a little bit more about that story and how you got involved with NFL players.
0: So I've always loved football. From the time I was little, I was a huge Ram fan growing up. But when I started looking at the brain in 1991, in fact, I did my psychiatric residency in Washington, D.C. at the Walter Reed Army Medical Center. In 1982, when the Redskins won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, was so a Ram fan and a Redskin fan, and I just loved it until I started looking at the brain. And then I would see brain damage clear as day mm-hmm. in high school football players and college football players. And then in 1999, Brent Boyd came to see me as offensive guard for the Minnesota Vikings. He was depressed, had suicidal thoughts, struggled with addictions and his brain clearly had traumatic brain injury written all over it. And I wrote a letter to the NFL. They dismissed me as a quack um, because I said he has a worker's comp claim because he has multiple concussions and you could see them on the scan. Um, The quack part hurt my feelings (laughs) a little bit. Um, But I figured the NFL was acting like, All Um, big corporations act and, you know, they just deny something that they would have liability for. That's right. But then it changed in 2007. I got to see Anthony Davis, the Hall of Fame running back from USC, who um, he was 54, was confused, had memory problems, temporal problems. And his brain at 54 looked like it was 94 and bad for 94. It was just clearly a traumatic. And, um, and I loved Anthony. He's gregarious. He's funny. And he just did what I asked him to do five months later. He's dramatically better. And he's like, Hey doc, people have to know about this. And he wrote to Roger Goodell who didn't write him back. And He invited me to speak at the Los Angeles chapter of the Retired NFL Players Association. Mm -hmm. And many of the Rams I had idolized when I was a child were there and I was horrified. Some of them were demented. One player asked me the same question six times. There were issues with depression. The wives talked to me about the problems they were having at home. And I thought to myself, you know, somebody has got to do something about this. The NFL formed its concussion committee in 1994, but it never sponsored a brain imaging study. Instead, literally, they studied rats. They put little tiny helmets on rats, whacked them in the head, put them in dryers, threw them down laundry shoots. They had a rheumatologist that was in charge of their concussion work. And, um, It just seemed like they didn't really want to know the answer to the question. They're checking the box. Yeah, I was going to say,
3: what you don't, you know, I guess it's ignorance, right? Yeah. We intentionally don't want to know what's, you know, we don't want to see it.
0: And after that meeting, I was so disturbed, you know, I thought somebody should, do something about this. Well, if you were an altar boy and you grew up Roman Catholic, as soon as you go, somebody should, mm-hmm. immediately you go, Well, why don't you do something about it? Right. You own imaging equipment. You've been spending the last 30 years of your life changing people's brains and their lives. I'd written a best selling book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And so um I partnered with the Los Angeles chapter of the NFL Players Association. They co-sponsored my first study and I agreed to pay for 30 scans and I would evaluate these patients, these players. But after the first couple of players, I'm like, oh, you're gonna have to pay for two scans because I wanna see if I can make their brains better. I mean, that's what I do in my everyday life, take damaged brains and Mm -hmm. make them better. And so I put them on a high quality, multiple vitamin. When I designed, that's the best one in the world, high dose, high quality fish oil and nutrients to repair the brain. And I talked, I go, look, this is brain help, brain envy, gotta care and all of them. And what I noticed with my NFL players is they, unless they were too damaged, they were bright, they were interested, And they did what I asked them to do for the most part. Um, We ran an NFL weight loss group. Uh, Big Ed White was in it. He ended up losing like 150 pounds. Uh, Duvall Love lost over 100 pounds. Um, Marvin Fleming, who played in five Super Bowls, Mm -hmm. lost 60 pounds. And I started re-scanning them two months later after they are on our regimen. And, oh, my God, 80% of them were better. We tested their memories, their mood, their processing speed, coordination. Everything is getting better. And what I found is they get really excited, and then they tell all their friends. And all of a sudden, the 30 that I'd agreed to pay for (laughs) turned into 300.
3: Mm.
0: And, uh yeah, it's been quite a, a wild ride. And it's not just for football, right? right. It's, there are 3 million new head injuries every year in the United States. And I love firefighters, too, mm. and because they're really heroes. That's right. right. And almost all of them have brain damage. And because of the toxins they're exposed to, because of the falls they experience, because of the emotional trauma they are faced with on an ongoing basis. Uh, Same with police officers. So the the NFL has this high profile Mm -hmm. and people love football and they're really interested in this issue. Um, But the implications are much wider. And uh, I'm just, I'm really grateful to Anthony Davis uh, for Mm. sort of shepherding me through this process.
2: Hey, I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to thank our sponsor, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka is distilled from corn and certified gluten-free. In the mid-90s, Tito Beverage Yep, that's his real name, Tito Beverage, built his very own micro distillery in Austin, Texas, incorporating the boutique winery concept into the spirits industry. He acquired the first legal permit to distill in Texas and put his life savings into it, racking up 19 credit cards to build his own copper pot stills and condensers. He continues to produce award winning smooth American vodka on the same land where, where it all started over 20 years later. Tito's has won a, the Anonymous Judge's Choice Double Gold Medal at the World Spirits Competition, among other awards. It's got a modest paper label on a sip of bottle, so all you pay for is the exceptional vodka inside. Visit us at titosvodka.com for recipes, videos, and more for the Tito's story. Crafted to be savored responsibly.
3: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about symptoms, because I mean, the obvious ones are headache and disorientation and, and things that you've listed, but what are some more subtle things that maybe crop up for people that that is a probably a good indication hey i should probably go get this looked at
0: well and let me just say i'm not a big fan of the cte um lore or the cte oh it's permanent it's progressive See, There's doc you're, you're
2: going there. down a the road there that's what we've heard so often like this is permanent it's and a, you can you can't cure this. Nonsense.
0: And it's nonsense because I have um, like my friend Anthony Trucks who played in the NFL. I have why well, I have so many brains before and after. Mm-hmm. It's what they should be doing is the NFL should own it. This is a brain-damaging sport. Helmets protect you against skull fractures. They do not protect you against brain damage. If you're going to play you need to be rehabilitating your brain from the moment you start. Mm. Mm. P.E. football, high school, college. Now, we witnessed something yesterday. Yesterday was the Super Bowl um, that is so instructive that the oldest quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl, ever to play in a Super Bowl, was spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If you read Tom Brady's book, TB12, He does absolutely everything right. So if you're going to play a brain damaging sport or you're going to be in a job that is brain damaging, and there are many from longshoremen to firefighters to police officers, um, you need to be rehabilitating your brain all the way along. And Tom Brady sleeps nine hours every night. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't eat crap food. You know, he's off gluten, dairy, corn, soy, artificial dyes and sweeteners. And one of his um, teammates 10 years ago said, oh, you know, I'd never eat that bird food. Well, I bet you he's yeah. <laughs> not playing football now. <laughs> right. And his career was you want longevity in whatever you're doing. You have to take care of the three pounds of fat between your ears. Mm. So if you're going to play, then you got to do everything else right. I have a current quarterback in the NFL who is in his hyperbaric chamber after every
1: practice. Mm. Yeah, those chambers are awesome the Best admit. sleep I've ever had in my life. And so the hyperbaric, is it is, is that something that you can sleep in overnight or is that just one hour, two hours at a time or 30 minutes you know, at a
0: time? You don't really get a bigger benefit. I mean, Justin slept in his, <laughs> but and he really felt the benefit mm-hmm. of it. I mean, he was repairing his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you do 90 minutes a day, That'll really help you so much,
1: okay. what about and let's talk about and Ben, I'm glad you brought up some symptoms, some things to be kind of aware of, but you know for our listeners out there that that aren't celebrities or professional football players, what are some treatment options that they if they realize, okay, hey, I need to go get diagnosed, I need to get scanned, I need to really see what's going on in there. But what are some things that they can do you know that and I say that, that aren't celebrities or professional athletes that have the means to a hyperbaric chamber or something like
0: that. So from a symptom standpoint, depression is four times more common in my NFL players. Mm -hmm. So undiagnosed brain injuries are a major cause of depression, Mm -hmm. suicidal ideation and behavior. And as I was getting involved in my NFL work, it just seemed every other month an NFL player was killing themselves. Um, Anxiety for little or no reason is very common after traumatic brain injuries, light sensitivity, um, headaches, as you mentioned, memory problems. If your memory is worse than it was 10 years ago, you should get assessed because it's never normal, Um, common, but not normal. People often say, "Well, I'm 40 and my memory's no good." That's normal. It's like, no, you have bad habits. Yeah. Or I'm 50, or 60, or my age, 66. My memory's great, but if you said your memory's no good, then I'm really concerned. Mm. Your hormones are off. You've been exposed to toxins. There's trauma, and so on. Um, so, memory, mood stability—that you're more irritable than you want to be. Where it's not serving, you know, you as father, you as husband. Um, you need to be concerned about it. If other people are telling you you're not the same, you should be paying attention to that.
2: You're talking to my wife, aren't you? <laughs> Have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've uh, talked to so many NFL walkers.
0: Yeah. I loving yeah. them. Um, but, you know, the everyday thing you can do. So I wrote a book called Memory Rescue. There's mm-hmm. a whole chapter on my NFL work. And you can do those three things we talked about. Brain envy, you can care today. That's no no cost to that. Avoid things that hurt your brain. And most people sort of know the list, mm-hmm. like drugs and alcohol. They're not good for your brain. Alcohol is not a health food. Mm-hmm. Um the American cancer society came out last year and basically said you shouldn't drink because any alcohol is associated with an increased risk of seven different kinds of cancer. Mm. Marijuana is not going green. I know the NFL was playing with, Oh, you know, we should study marijuana. It's just dumb. Uh, I published a study on 62,000 scans and marijuana was one of the things that aged the brain.
1: Um,
0: Wow. So being a couch potato, being overweight, having hypertension, uh, all of those things are bad for your brain. You can be doing good things for your brain, um, which is exercise, a healthy diet, simple supplements, the ones I used in my NFL study. They're not expensive. Um, One we make called NeuroBite Plus, Brain and Memory Power Boost, and Omega-3 Power. So it was those three that we used in good Dosages. Um, and then, if you can do hyperbaric oxygen, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and if you can't, at least get the lifestyle stuff right. And this is something people should write down. Um, people who've had multiple concussions often develop uh, something called the Erlen syndrome I R L E M. So, anyone who's had concussions that is light sensitive. Mm. has headaches, has depth perception issues, Um, they should go to com and just take their free online assessment. Uh, I have gotten so many people to wear colored filtered lenses and it dramatically Mm. helps their mood, their focus, um, and the headaches often go away. Mm -hmm. And I actually have some uh, NHL and NFL players who will tint the masks on their helmets a certain color because when you have a concussion, your brain gets too sensitive to certain colors of the light spectrum, Mm -hmm. and it disrupts you. And at your level, um, improving depth perception just 5% can make the difference between whether you catch a ball or not. Right. Interesting. So, so
2: Doc, if I was – just coming off the street, not an NFL player. I was just coming off the street. And, and, and I understood that, that I've had some issues and I came, walked into your office. Can you give me a start to finish on how you would treat, how you would treat me?
0: So the first thing we do is we get to know you really well. So we don't just make a diagnosis from a scan our patients fill out about 25 pages of information. I want like you wanted to know about me when I was a kid. Okay. I want to know about you. I want to know about your parents. I want to know what ones in your family. I want to know about your education, substance abuse, legal history. I mean, I really want to get to know you. I often say in four circles, I want to know about your biology, your physical stuff, your psychology, the stuff in your mind, the social circle, What are your relationships like? And the spiritual circle, which is, so why do you care about this whole thing? Why do you think you're on the planet? Um, And then we'll scan you. Um, And we do it twice, once at rest, once when you concentrate. People have ADD and learning challenges. When they try to concentrate, their brain drops in activity. It's fascinating. We'll test your brain. We do cognitive tests where we look at 17 areas of cognitive function. And we'll usually get blood work because if your cholesterol is too high or too low, it's bad for your brain. We'll look at inflammation markers, omega-3 levels. uh, So we'll get a good blood panel. So that's the first step. And then we will develop a plan-targeted, to your brain. So what you tell us and what we see on your scan and your tests mm-hmm. and supplements, medication, lifestyle, uh, changes, things like hyperbaric oxygen. Um, and we have a whole, a whole slew of other things we do as well. And then we'll see you back and we'll see you until you don't need to see us mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, I still see Anthony and it's been since two thousand seven. Uh I don't really need to see him very much because he's doing so much better. But I love that. That's yeah, yeah. what we do. We sort of become the coach for getting you well. And then what usually happens is you get so much better, you send us four or five of your friends, or in an Anthony's right. case, three hundred, <laughs> and just keep going.
3: Let's- Let's talk a little bit about the, you've you've referenced it a few times now, the physical health part and and being physically active. Can you break it down for us? Because everybody knows, oh, I need to work out, I need to be healthy. But can you break down why that's so important, what's happening in the brain, hormones, all that good stuff, why physical activity is so good for you?
0: So if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. The demonic I created is bright mind. So B is for blood flow. Exercise increases blood flow to the brain. The best exercise is coordination exercises. Mm-hmm. People who play racket sports live longer than anybody really? else by far. And it's because you have the cerebellum in the back bottom part of the brain. It's involved in coordination and processing speed. And so working your cerebellum out actually activates the rest of the brain. Mm. Mm. So coordination exercises are the best, tennis, table tennis, dance. Uh, um, Exercise helps balance your blood sugar. The D in bright minds, diabetes if you're overweight or have high blood sugar, exercise uh, also helps you learn. So if you exercise, and then learn, you learn and retain what you learn so much faster. So children in school should actually be having P.E. first. They should do some form of physical exercise first because then they're going to be more alert and they're going to focus better.
3: What about acute differences? Like right after a workout, you just feel really, really good. What's going on there? Why do I feel so good after I get done with a nice, intense workout?
0: Because it's boosted serotonin in your brain. So serotonin comes from an amino acid called tryptophan. And tryptophan is big and it doesn't cross into your brain easily. When you work out, when you do an intense workout, all the other amino acids that tryptophan competes against go into your muscles, thereby decreasing the amount of competition for tryptophan to get into Mm. your brain. And so you're getting flooded with the molecule that helps make serotonin, which helps you feel happy. But it also helps you feel respect. And when you feel respect, you feel happy. And who knew that, you know, doing intense exercise will actually make you
1: feel
3: better
0: about you.
3: Mm. That's interesting. Well, I try to preach that all the time to these yeah. two, but they don't ever listen. to Yeah. Me. Uh,
1: so you mentioned some of these coordination exercises. Um, functional neurology is something that I just learned about mm-hmm. recently. Is that something that you guys implement? Is that something completely separate? Is there any validity to this? You know, we've seen you know these chairs that spin, and they've got to track lasers, and there's yeah. these exercises that they do. Uh, what's your opinion on on that form of treatment?
0: Um so functional neurology is often what chiropractors mm-hmm. would do and I think it's very interesting and I actually did a study with a group of chiropractors on cranial sacral therapy where they actually adjust the sutures in your skull mm-hmm. and it was fascinating because about half the people that did it found significant uh relief and so um, you know, I don't know much about this spinning. I'm actually friends with Ted Carrick. He had the Carrick mm-hmm. Institute in Dallas yeah. uh, until he sold it. And, uh, you know, from what I know, many of the people he saw got significant improvement. Mm,
1: that's interesting. So talk about the, the clinics that you have around the country, because now these treatments are accessible to the public and people can come in. They don't have to be in Los Angeles. They don't have to be in New York to get these types of treatment. Talk about, um, you know, the, the clinics and, and, and where those are at and what the rollout strategy and the accessibility for people and maybe for people that aren't in the cities that you have a clinic.
0: You know, we've seen people now from 150 countries, uh, last week we booked patients from 36 states I just I was <laughs> looking at that and I'm like that is so cool uh, We have nine clinics uh, starting with Bellevue Washington, Bay Area uh, by San Francisco, Los Angeles, Orange County we have a brand new clinic in Dallas uh, in Los Kalinas, uh Atlanta, Washington, DC, New York, and Chicago. So um, I realized if I'm gonna change psychiatry, that's my goal. I wanna change psychiatric medicine by adding imaging, natural ways to heal the brain in a functional medicine context, which means your brain is an organ, so we gotta get all your other organs right too, Mm -hmm. um, that I needed to spread out around the country. We're working on a new clinic in Florida, Um, I just want to be where people Mm -hmm. are so they can get the help they need
2: so doc we are in the mecca of football here in in Texas and (laughs) and you know this question was coming I'm sure but Tyler and I and Ben and we're always asked those questions for for moms from moms and dads that have young kids should we allow our kids to play football I mean, for, for me, it's you know, that question is posed to me. I'm not a doctor. I'm I'm a former player, so all I can talk about is the experience and whatnot. What would you tell a, a mom or a dad um in today's world about their child playing football?
0: Um your brain is involved in everything you do. How you think, how you feel, how you act, how you get along with other people. It's the organ of intelligence, character, personality, and every decision you make. And when it works right, you work right. And when it doesn't, there's trouble in your life. Your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. And doing anything that damages the brain or puts the brain at risk potentially damages a person's life. And so... You know, when I say that, I do it with love. I do it knowing I played and I could see the damage in my brain yet, you know, I've had a successful life. I would be very cautious. I think golf is great and tennis is good and table tennis is the world's best sport. You know, there are lots of benefits to playing team sports, but you know, from my standpoint and, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I see the pain that has been caused. I I would be very reticent to, to let kids play a sport that potentially could damage them.
1: Is there an age that you feel, because like you said, we get asked, should I let my kids at eight years old play tackle football? Yeah. My answer is I don't think that they need to play football, tackle football that early. I did. Um, I did but too, is there an yeah. age that if you were to get into the sport that would be better or is it, well, you mentioned 25.
0: Later, later is better. You know, the American soccer association um, came out and said, children cannot head a football before the age of 11. Mm. And I wrote an op-ed piece. I'm like, you hate 11 year olds I mean, <laughs> that's like completely arbitrary given what we know about neuroscience and you know the problem is physics um i have a brain here the the, the problem is physics if you look inside the skull there are all these sharp wow. bony ridges mm. your brain is the consistency of soft butter Tofu, custard, somewhere between egg whites and jello. Oh, and nice. say you have the helmet on and the helmet, you know, prevents the skull fracture. But what is happening inside your skull? Your brain is not fixed inside your skull, it floats in water. So, you know, you guys are big, you guys are fast, the head hits a head a helmet or it hits a shoulder pad or it hits a knee or it hits the ground inside the skull your brain is doing this which is causing blood vessels to rip which cause microbleeds which is causing neurons to tear which means they can't connect with each other and there's just sort of never an age that's really great for you but the front third of it is called the executive part of the brain. It's the prefrontal cortex. This is the problem because it's not done developing until you're 25 yet people lead with their head, whether they hit a soccer ball with their head or when they're playing hockey, they get hit with a stick in their head. And this part is involved with forethought and judgment. Impulse control, organization, planning, empathy, learning from the mistakes you make. And it's just never a good idea to hurt that because, I mean, you guys were blessed and incredibly talented, but out of What's the percentage, do you know, of kids who play in high school that go on to actually make millions of uh, dollars? They, yeah, yeah.
1: they say 1% in high school go to college and yeah. then 1% of college go to the NFL. I don't know how accurate that is. I think that's just arbitrary numbers that people throw out there. But, but yeah, essentially 1% of
0: 1%. And you just have to ask yourself, is that worth the risk? And I had, um, it was at the Future of Madison conference, and one of my friends, who's a billionaire, he goes, "But my son wants to play,
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: and he hired him, a former NFL player coach and um, I'm like, "Well, what if your son said he wanted to do cocaine? Mm. Would you get him a drug addict because the level of damage is about the same." Mm. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, but, so you know, pull your kids out of football.: now. Exactly. <laughs> so
2: hey, since we're going down that, that road, Doc, we knowingly know that kids are going to play. not all kids, but kids Absolutely. are kids are going to play, regardless of what they feel are what may be the outcome. But in doing so, let's say the, kid, the kids are playing, can you give them the education of how to take care of their brain? through that process that you know this kid's going to play he's 12 years old in the offseason can he come see you or during the season can he come see you and what will you be doing with him to help him out
0: I have active NFL players right. who you know they're going to play and you know they already know what I think up front but I'm going to do everything I can to make them a better player mm-hmm. Right. I see that as my job. My job is not judgment. Mm-hmm. My job is education, information, and then I'm on your team. Yeah. And so if the teenager and the parents want to play, it's like you need to do everything else right. So yeah. just own it. Mm-hmm. You know, skiing is a brain-damaging sport. Right. right. I mean, I've treated Olympic snowboarders uh, that have had, concussions it's like okay you decide what you do just know the risk and then put your brain in a healing environment yeah you need to be and read tb12 because yeah. tom brady does <laughs> yeah. everything else yeah. right yeah uh i mean i'm not pushing his book i'd rather you read mine yeah but, um But that's the the point Mm -hmm. is it can have a good outcome if you get serious, because ultimately it's your brain that helps you be Mm -hmm. successful. That's right. Right. It's your brain that is tracking the ball. It allows you to go and make, and, and the NFL, you know, for all my criticisms of the NFL, they're much smarter than they were 12 years ago Uh, or 14 years ago, I guess, when I started my NFL work, they're not in denial. There's a concussion poster in every major NFL locker Mm -hmm. room and, um, and they have concussion protocols. They are serious about taking the head out of, uh the game and sometimes even it looks like it's an accidental head to head, you know, somebody's got a fifteen yard penalty yeah. mm-hmm. going. Initially NFL players were furious about it, now nobody cares. Yeah. Right? It's like brain's important. Don't don't take cheap shots mm-hmm. for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I-, I
0: saw uh, Patrick Mahomes last night just got oh yeah, yeah. yeah. got yeah. That
1: was so Man. bad for yeah. his brain. Oh, that was yeah he needs to come see you today I, I want to Ben's gonna Ben's gonna wrap us up um, but you know I think that we just need to marinate on that point really quickly is that your football life we talked about it the opportunity to play at the professional level is so small even so you make it to that I was 32 years old when I retired I felt very lucky I was one of the few that played that long but guess what? I have to use my brain for another 60 years. Yeah. So that, that window that you have to play football. Great. And I think I got a ton of things from it and, and I got a lot out of football. Football got a lot out of me, but I got a lot out of football and, and I, and I'm thankful for the opportunity, but I still have to use this to do my day job. I have to do this to be a husband, to be a father, to all the things that are, that are more, more important than a game that only lasts for so long. Um, so, so I want to. You brought your book up. I wanna. I want to bring that up. You have a, a book releasing March second, uh, and it's called "Your Brain Is Always Listening." Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Talk through this really quickly, uh, and then how they can pre-order, how they can order, um, and then Ben is going to wrap us up with our final question.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. Your brain is always listening. Is about all the influences that are talking to you. Uh, day in and day out, and how to tame them. And there's a whole section on the dragons from the past that still breathe fire on your emotional brain. Um, you can go to yourbrainisalwayslistening.com. I've got some really great pre-order gifts for mm-hmm. people who order the book. Mm, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, it is.
3: No, I think that I think that my big takeaway here is, yeah, if you're going to pursue the sport, you know, and and you know, play football or whatever it is that's causing that. There's things that you can do along the way to to hopefully mitigate some of that risk. So appreciate you educating us on that. That's I awesome. do have to ask you one last thing and, and then we're done. Nootropics and and other energy slash cognitive enhancement type supplements. What's your opinion on those? I, I know my big issue is focus and I know it's it's a band aid fix to try to go for some sort of supplement because there's other things I'm sure that I need to be doing, but What is your do these nootropics that are touted as these great things? Do they actually work? What's your opinion on those things, those types of things?
0: I mean, in all fairness, I own a supplement company, BrainMD, and Mm -hmm. and the reason I own the company is because I'm a huge fan that many supplements are, you know, have a lot of science. In my book, The End of Mental Illness, there's a supplement chapter, 286 scientific references. Mm Um, Your brain needs nutrients. You just want to get it the right kind. And the great American diet is terrible. Mm -hmm. I often say the real weapons of mass destruction are highly processed, pesticide spray, high glycemic, low fibers, food-like substances stored in plastic containers. We can do so much better and nutrients help mine the gap. So we make something called focus and energy that a lot of our patients take and find benefit of.
2: Mm, awesome. So what's the name? Well, one more time. What's the name of the supplement company?
0: Brain MD. Brain MD. Brain MD. MD. Go Write brain that down. BrainMD.com. Yeah. And my NFL the formula, show, I actually put in two packets a day. It's called Brain and Body Power Max. That's the exact formula I used with my NFL guys. Okay. Awesome.
3: Awesome. I'm yeah, going we're, to brain and we're going to, yeah, we're going to yeah. check that out right I'm going now. i going to brain MD. We appreciate your time so much. Thank you for uh for for joining us today. You guys
0: should come to the clinic and if you do, we'll do another one with your brain. Let's yes. do that. Let's
3: let's do
2: that. We can make it up to to Los Colinas, which is not Easy. far from yes. where we are. Uh, look, doc there's there's so much information that you have. We didn't we didn't even scratch the surface today. And there's so many people that ask us questions about their brain health and we can't give them those facts. We will, we will definitely send People, your way mm. to answer those questions. Right. So we appreciate your time and thank you for for coming on. All right, take care of everybody. Thanks again. Nice thank stuff. you.